Well, good morning. How's your prayer life? Hmm. Well, two months ago, we began the series on Sky Jethani's book, What If Jesus Is Serious About Prayer? And way back in Labor Day weekend, uh, I gave you an assessment, a prayer assessment that you could take to see where you're at and to begin pondering the ideas of your own life and prayer. And way back then, I also said, you know, it's a good time to buy ski boots and work out the hot spots in your ski boots, but also your hot spots in prayer. And now this weekend is a very important weekend because here, October 29th, A Basin is open. So I hope you got prepared back then to be skiing today. So, but if you would like to take the assessment again, here's another opportunity. Because the idea with the assessment was to take a September 3rd snapshot of where am I at? You know, where have I been with prayer? What has brought me here? You know, what are my baggage and hot spots? What are the good things? And then also, what am I wanting to do going forward? You know, what, what am I interested in? What's I, what am I being drawn into? So we took that snapshot then, and now today you can take another snapshot. And you can ask yourself once again, you know, if I have a word that describes my prayer life today, what would it be? So if you had a word then, maybe it's the same now, or maybe two months later you've changed your word and have a different word. So those are all the curiosities in taking an assessment to see where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. And two months is not very much time for us to progress. But it is an opportunity to say, how have I grown? And I appreciate Connie so much. She passed the test to be able to share today, so thank you. So good. Well, wrapping this up today, Laura Lee just read our scripture from Luke 18, and you may be wondering why there's been an elephant in the corner of the screen, and little Jesus guy that says, let's talk about the elephant. Well, chapter, section 5 is where this comes in, and so this is our passage of scripture today where Jesus is calling out the elephant in the room. And it starts with this comment. Luke makes this interesting comment. He says, He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So that's the comment made before the parable. So then we have this elephant. And here's from the book. I know I jumped ahead on you, Christy, but... um, there it is, right? Jesus is saying, let's talk about the elephant. And then the guy like, what elephant? The elephant in the room, right? The elephant in the room is this idiom in the English language. If you are an English language learner, you know the trouble of these idioms. It's this phrase that means something more. And the idea is that there is a big, huge elephant in the room. It's obvious. It's clear. But everybody's ignoring it and pretending like it's not there, Right? And the elephant can be lots of things, you know, lots of different things. You know, it can be the obvious problem or difficult situation nobody wants to talk about. Or it can be the big issue that everyone is aware of, but everyone is trying to ignore. Or it can be the obvious truth that is deliberately ignored by everyone around. Right? So there's a good example of an elephant in the room a long time ago. So on Tuesday, we're celebrating Reformation Day, which is the day Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the church door 
which was a white elephant or an elephant in the room saying, hey, church, we're doing all these things, but it seems like we veered off the path. I think it's by faith alone, and we should stop selling salvation, right? Elephant in the room, 95 things. That was a good example from way back then that we celebrate on Tuesday, among other things. So Jesus is pointing out in this parable that the elephant is this trap in the religious system. It's this trap that the Pharisee fell into, and we all can fall into, right? This, this idea that if I am good enough, if I follow the rules, I can be good enough to be righteous, right? That's the idea, right? And Jesus is pointing out, no, that everybody falls short of God's standard, right? Even though the system around the religious system says, yeah, these are the rules. If you follow these rules, you're good, you're right, you're righteous. And everybody will say, good job, we like you. But with God, the perfect standard may not still be met, and they still need to be justified, which only God can do. So there's a difference between being righteous in your actions and what you do and being justified before God. So in this parable, this Pharisee walks into the temple to pray. You know, the system is if he, you know, doesn't cheat on his wife and he doesn't, you know, cheat his business partners, and if he doesn't do things wrong, well, then he's upstanding in the society, right? And everybody's like, yay, we like this guy. And truly, God is also thinking, this is good. You should do all these right things. Yes. But we get this hint. We get this hint that, ooh, you do these things right and follow these letters of the law. But what about spiritual arrogance? What about pride? What about contempt for people? What about those things? Those you're not righteous in. So obviously, you are not fulfilling the whole complete standard that God requires. So, yes, you are following the religious system rules, the cultural systems, the way everybody thinks, and they are happy with you. But you're still falling short in what God requires. And it is only God who can do the justifying. And so we have to not trust in ourselves for that, but we must depend on God. So I imagine as you're hearing this parable today and you're letting it sink in, that you can also feel the trap for us of trusting in ourselves. You know, if we put this prayer from the Pharisee into our own language, we might read it more like this. A member of Platt Park Church arrived early, I mean, before the bell (laughs) rings, arrived early to pray and prayed this. Lord, we thank you that we are not like other people, hypocrites, overly pious, self-righteous, or even like that Pharisee in the story. You know, we come to church each week, listen attentively to Scripture, tithe our money, and we have learned really well that we need to be humble. Right? That can be our prayer, but in that trap, we can start thinking once again, just like the Pharisee, in our own system, oh, these are the things that make me right and acceptable here. This is what people will applaud me for in my system today. I mean, this is 
interesting word, even this idea of being humble. The Pharisee was not humble, but we know we need to be humble. So at least you need to say that, right, to fit in the system. These are the things that are in our trap that we can fall into, that we can do the right things, but we still trust and depend on God to be justified. Well, then in the parable, Jesus points out the tax collector. The tax collector is obviously outside of the system of being righteous. I mean, he has no opportunity in the society to be an upright, righteous person. So when he comes to the temple to pray, what does he do? Falls right on his face before God, truly humble, and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because he's not bringing anything of his own, trying to offer it up and say, I'm righteous. He knows he doesn't have that, so he only can bring himself to depend on God. So, the tax collector. Sky Giathani says, If Jesus was serious, then confession is how we shatter our illusions about ourselves. If Jesus was serious, then confession is how we shatter our illusions about ourselves. You know, the elephant is just this example of the illusion that we live in, these ideas that we have that might be missing the full truth, right? The elephant is the ways that we are trusting in ourselves to feel that we are good enough. We meet the standard. Eh, not, a, not a lot of room for improvement, at least in the circles and the group of people that I hang out with. But it's the same for us, that our righteous behaviors are one thing, but it's different to be justified before God and to depend on God for that. So when the the person is kneeling in front of the elephant, isn't this a great picture? Like, what elephant? It's fascinating how we humans are so blind to ourselves. I mean, we, we are not able to see beyond ourselves, which is fascinating. We can see others really well and call out other people's white elephants or elephants. White elephant's kind of like Christmas thing, and that's coming up, and it's snowing. But just regular elephant. doesn't even have to, It could be a pink elephant. But we are so deceived in ourselves that we can't see outside of our own thoughts and the ways we think, right? And so this is perhaps a few layers of how it can work, right? Like, first, there could be simply the pure unawareness of the elephant, I mean, you are living in a system where this is just how you were taught, you were raised, this is how everybody talks and thinks around you, so you simply are unaware of the elephant, right? That's a fair, little bit innocent place to be. But second, you could be aware of the elephant and ignoring it. I mean, you are benefiting from something about that elephant There's a benefit that you don't want exposed because if if that's exposed, you might lose your benefit. So what do you do? You ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. And actually, it's really helpful if you just hang out with other people also ignoring it because then you feel good, right? I feel pretty righteous. I'm good. But then there's a third where the elephant is there and you are actively hiding it. And this is where it gets to the ugly interior, right? The Pharisee wanted the exterior to be clean and everybody to say, good job. 
but the interior was not so clean. I mean, the interior is the, the places where our own thoughts and evil and sin exist, and we are aware of it. And we are aware, oh, if this gets exp- if people find out, oh, look out. I'm going to be ruined, right? That's the interior. If it's exposed, oh, no. And so I need to actively hide this. And then once again, it's nice if you gather around people who are all actively hiding it, so you never talk about it, and it just kind of can go by, and you can think that you're doing okay. Right? This guy writes that prayer means admitting and offering to God what is really in us, no matter how ugly it might be. Isn't that interesting? That in prayer, we are admitting and offering to God our very true self. Admitting that. And this is confession. Confession is how we shatter the illusion, you know, the the ways we try to manage our life and keep the elephant hidden. And confession is how, at least beginning with God, we shatter that illusion and start to live in reality. This guy also writes that to confess means to say the same thing. Perhaps you read that a few weeks ago. To say the same thing. And simply that is the Greek word homo logeo, which means homo, same, logeo, say. So it just means say the same thing. And that's where we get the word then confess, that we are simply saying the same thing back to God. So when we confess our sins... We are simply admitting what God already knows. It's like, God, you say this about me? I agree. I say that back to you. That's true. Right? That's how that interaction works. And this isn't for God's benefit. God already knows. It is for our benefit. Because in confession, that's where we are becoming aware of something, admitting it, bringing it to God, and then... God can do something with that, can move in us. So there's two steps to confession. First, we need to see and know God, what God is like. In a sense, know God's standard and his holiness and God's goodness. We just need to know something about God first. Because then second, we can then compare ourselves to God and say, oh, I recognize and admit that these are the things that are not like God in me. And to say that and to admit that and to say that back to God, oh, this in me is not like you, and I would like to be more like you. You know, I love the art again. Hopefully you're enjoying all the pictures in the book. But the art from page 134, where you have this Jesus figure saying, you are a sinner and God loves you. And you say the same thing back, I am a sinner, and God loves me. That right there is pretty profound. I mean, this is what we say when we say that we are far more loved than we ever dare imagine by God. And at the same time, we are far more lost than we can even dare admit. Right? Those things are true, and we're just admitting that to God and saying, yep, that's true. I'm bringing my whole true self to you. So what is happening in confession is that we're shattering the illusions and coming into reality. 
or simply saying, yes, God, this is true. I agree with you. And by doing this, we're bringing our real and true selves into communion with God, where genuine communion can happen. Your true self is the only self that is able to commune with God. You think about this where, you know, you have your kind of masks and pretend self and the ways you're managing your life and your social media profile and the ways you're trying to keep your brand image going. All of those things, God cannot interact with. They're, they're false. They're not you. God doesn't interact with you there. God interacts with your true self. And so when you open up and say, yes, God, these things are true, then God can connect with us and commune with us. And, and as ugly as we know these things inside are, you know what? It doesn't bother God. Already knows. But, this is a talk for a whole other day, but other people might be very bothered by the true you. I mean, think about how off-putting the true you is, right? I mean, this is why we put up the masks and pretend and the pretensions and the, like, the, we do all this because the true you is ugly and you're afraid of how people respond to you. I mean, that's what the Pharisee did. He was like living on this clean external life, doing all the right things, while the interior had pride and arrogance and contempt. And that was inside, but he was keeping the exterior clean. So this is the way we meet God, is by bringing our true self to God. And what did the tax collector do? The tax collector had this, this opportunity to just be the true person that he was because he didn't have opportunity in the social systems to get the accolades and the applause and to be uh, considered righteous. They already looked down at him. They were disgusted by him. They, they didn't like him. They mocked him. So he didn't have access there. So what did he do? came with his true self to God and said, God, have mercy on me. I have no ways to pretend before you. I come truly before you in dependence and trusting you for mercy. I'm curious for you. Two months have gone by. Has there been any shattering of the illusion? You know, anything where in the elephant in your life you're becoming aware of? You know, you've been going through your whole life, and just this is the way it's been, but now you're like, oh, I am aware. And I'm bringing that to God and admitting it and starting to process through how to do that. Or maybe you have been aware, and you've been putting up the masks and the facades, and now you're wanting to bring that to God and admit. You know, has there been some shattering of the illusions? You know, some place where you see yourself truly and see how you put up this false self around you. You know, Rabbi Noah gave this great example in his own life about wanting the family to ask for forgiveness, to apologize. If you heard that talk, it's fascinating how he wanted them to apologize and they didn't even know that they did anything wrong, right? That was his process of the debt I'm carrying and how do I forgive the debts and the debtors against me? Like, that is fascinating, right? 
They weren't aware they, they needed to apologize. And so in that way, he showed us how we perhaps bring those things to God, and then we move out towards others and live in this life. So our prayer of confession is to come into God's presence, to bring our real, true self into God's presence, and say the same thing. To say, yes, God, you love me, and yes, God, I am a sinner. And now I go forward wanting to be more like you, to become more like you in your image the way you are. So I admit it, I see the elephant, I see how I ignore it, how I hide it, and now I'm willing to smash that illusion in order to live in the reality of God, who you are in this world and in my life. Well, as we conclude this series on prayer, I would like to end by us praying together a corporate prayer. Um, There's a few sections that we will do. First, um, we'll do a prayer of confession, which is from the Book of Common Prayer. So we'll corporately read that together and pray that. And then second, I will read the assurance of pardon. Because when you confess, the second part is the pardon, the forgiveness that God offers, that we have been forgiven, that we don't live in a place where we cannot do anything about it anymore, but we live justified because Jesus has made that possible. And then we will finish with the Gloria Patri. Perhaps you've heard the Gloria Patri at church services over the years or have sung it, but it's a little prayer that comes at the end of scripture readings or at the end of things. So it's appropriate on this last day, on the end, to do the Gloria Patri. Now, Gloria Patri, um, I think it's important to stand and for the beginning part to bow, just as a reverent action and body pose to God that I'm humbling myself before you. Think about that tax collector. And then the second half, I like to come up with my hands, and then the last line, which you'll hear in a moment, which is amazing, feel the lift of bringing your hands up. So I'll read it in a second, but we bow, and then we have our hands, and then we lift up. So Gloria Patri goes like this. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, World without end, amen. Hopefully you feel the lift in those words when you say them. All right. Actually, before we do all that, let me do this. Would you, if you wouldn't mind, just close your eyes and put your hands open on your lap and bring your person and presence into God's presence here today. And if it's meaningful to you in your mind, would you just simply pray and say, me too. And say, God, hello. It is me. I am here. Amen. For the confession, would you stand with me now? You can read together out loud the confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. 
We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And now receive this assurance of pardon. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sin and restore us in his image. To the praise and glory of his name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now if you would bow with me for the glory of Patri. Glory be to God the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.